welcome to The Lux Files, a podcast for occultists about occultists. I'm your host, Sean, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to subscribe to The Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts to stay up to date on all the new episodes. Hello, everyone. So with me today is Alan Northstar, the founder and co-owner of Six Silver Seals. So welcome, welcome, my friend. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thanks. No, this is great. I'm excited to have you. I'm excited. How are you? Uh, oh, you know, I'm I'm keeping my head above water. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's all that can be asked of anybody these days. Yeah, only just. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'm really frazzled right now. I'm I'm busy. I mean, I'm always busy, but I'm also in the process of painting my my ritual room. Ooh. So yeah, no, and it's great uh, because it's a completely different change. Like, um, it's three of the walls are are well were gray like a bluish gray mm-hmm. and then the west wall was it, it well it still is because i haven't started yet um kind of like it's it's blue but you know a a painted effect you know like the like a brush stroke effect mm-hmm. that was, yeah you know that was popular back in the day and right. it's just it's just time for a change so i'm going with like gold where the gray is and then I'm going to do red where the blue is so I'm just I'm like existing in a state of disarray right now and that's not my comfortable place I like everything (laughs) being just so yeah um I'm 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 a bit frazzled uh right now but other than that you know pretty good pretty good and I'm cold it is freezing this weekend yeah it is super chilly for whatever reason today yeah yeah I had my windows um open um my ritual uh room here is in the basement um I had the windows open all day because I was painting and uh so now it's just it's cold in here and it's not and and it's cold outside today and it's just not warming up so I'm literally wearing a sweater on the summer solstice which is just ridiculous yeah, yeah just wonderful so welcome to canada and, and you're the great white north when <laughs> you're an honorary canadian because you're in michigan yeah mm-hmm. america's canada as i once joked to a group of my <laughs> friends <laughs> you know it's funny because there's so many i mean you know our border obviously is huge mm-hmm but it's all like um you know no canadian thinks of like north dakotans as honorary canadians or new yorkers as honorary canadians but like uh michigan and minnesota um i wonder if hockey has something to do with that honestly i don't know the shared like cultural history there of the sport i don't know i don't know minnesotans i find um are I mean, they're, they're, they're different. I mean, Americans and Canadians are really vastly different, a lot more different than like a lot of my European friends assume we are. Um, but I find Minnesotans, like there's so, so much commonality between Minnesotans and, and Canadians in a lot of regards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I don't know about like, um, what's, what's bordering Washington state is right below like uh, BC, BC. Or out, out there. I don't know if they're honorary Canadians to 
British Columbians. I have no idea. Well, yeah, but then there's how Western Canada is a whole different animal to the rest of it, too. So <laughs> I'm sorry, where? What? Western, Western Canada being such a different where. animal to Ontario. I, I don't I don't know what that term uh, means. I've... Yeah, no. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Alberta and Saskatchewan. They're like our like Texas and Oklahoma of Canada, basically. So but not warm like texas i used to live in texas i i lived in houston and austin and i loved it it was my favorite place to live and i would move back in a second if i could so yeah surprisingly you know all my friends were like homo you moving to texas and i'm like yep and it was fantastic yeah it was so great it was so fantastic i loved it i loved it have you always been in michigan uh yeah i've lived my whole life here i have done a little traveling but uh you know, it's just, I like this place mm -hmm. in a way that like my friends find a little weird. They're like, you like to be in Michigan? I'm like, yeah, we get four seasons. There's just enough wilderness. Like that's the big thing uh, for me is just being someplace where there's lots and lots of green. Mm -hmm. I like being surrounded by trees and forests and it's nice to have that, especially since, you know, I'm in, I'm going to do my Michigan thing and <laughs> being in yeah. the heart of Michigan, where like they haven't cut all the forests down or drained all the wetlands yet is, uh, I like it. It's good for yeah. me. Yeah. And I love, well, I mean, Detroit has obviously changed, uh, within years, but, um, I loved Detroit so much. Me too. I lived there for four years while I was going to school. It was it, it, it's a nice place, but it's it's the city, and you can tell. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's all concrete and glass, and not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just I'm an outdoor boy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine lives in Vancouver, and he's like prime location, and like two blocks from the beach. I don't know how to describe where he lives. He's west of downtown like there's there's like north vancouver's here and then you know this kind of it's like a, a like a point and like downtown's here and then you're heading like you know west pacific ocean and whatnot and he's like here and it's such a prime location and we were talking about that and i was kind of feeling a little like oh i, I miss living in a big city like toronto houston ottawa uh, because here, like we have a uh, hundred thousand people, like it's not very big, but such easy access to nature. And it, it's, it's not like, there's no effort to, to drive a little ways and just be away from people, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's positives and negatives to both aspects, yeah. at both lifestyles, but, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't see myself moving back to a city of that size um, ever, but, you know, <laughs> never say never. I mean, I, you know, it definitely wasn't part of my game plan to be like, yeah, I'm going to move to Texas. Like, that's my long-term goal in life. But yet the opportunity presented itself and it was fantastic, you know? So, yeah, it is what it is. And I mean... The cost of living is something to consider. Definitely. You know, I have it pretty easy here um, compared to like if I lived in in Toronto and having to look at like, 
million dollar properties yeah for something that i can get for like two hundred thousand here you know what right. i mean yeah definitely so, yeah so you know that's that's something you know that's something to keep in mind so anyways enough about that we're here we're here to talk about you and that's more fun <laughs> anyways at least it is for me i don't know if it is more fun for you talking about yourself but it's, uh, it's i mean you know it's more fun for me <laughs> not something i'm given the opportunity to do very much i'll tell you yeah that. <laughs> yeah you know it's great for me like with this podcast because i can just ask a few prompting questions and then just sit back and listen to people's stories which is exciting for me which i find so fascinating learning about like people and their experiences and whatnot so that's been uh that's been a lot of fun so um as all of my listeners are very well aware by now i always like to start right at the beginning and i mean the beginning beginning and that is the sort of first moment or series of of situations or events that kind of takes my guests onto their like magical or or their spiritual path so um we'll start there and for you did you have like this one seminal moment or was it like a series of things that kind of set you on that path there are a couple things that sort of go to play together for me. Uh, they're really, they're, they're, well, not really far apart in the grand scheme of a whole life, but, uh, so the first thing is, um, I was seven or eight years old and someone who was very close to me passed away and, um, I was a rather precocious child. Um, and so it was, became this question of, you know, where did she go? Why did she leave? I was raised Christian and kind of pseudo Catholic. So it was specifically the question for me was why would God do this? Right. And um, that was a whole bunch of baggage that it took me a long time to recover from. But in the interim, uh, while I was looking around for somebody that could or would answer my question, all these questions that I had, the sort of existential crisis at a very young age, I was like 13 or 14 and I had just stumbled upon Norse mythology. And um, I was outside there were, uh, like for a week straight, it rained. And on the day it finally broke, I went out to stand on the front porch with my dad and the sky was all kind of red and hazy. Uh, and then there was a rainbow. And I was just kind of, you know, marveling at a rainbow the way that you do like, wow, look at that. Look how pretty that is. A lightning bolt shot through it like an arrow. Oh. And I just stood there for a minute like, oh. And like, I, I tried to talk to my dad about it, but I was like 13 and I, I, I didn't have the language to impress upon him what that was doing for me. Right. And I could tell from the conversation I was trying to have with him that we just weren't like getting this. Like he was like, oh, that was really neat. I'm going to go inside and cook dinner now. And I was over there like having profound realizations about the nature of reality <laughs> and, uh, or at least what seemed like profound revelations about the nature of reality at the time. And so that led me down the path of, you know, looking into Thor and getting really involved in the Norse mythology. Um, put my footsteps on a, on the sort of the pagan path. Um, I met up with a local group of guys who called themselves Druids. I don't know if they were affiliated with any of like the big Druid group, mm -hmm. 
druid groups. Goodness, my tongue is tied in a knot. Um, but I spent, you know, a few years, probably till I was like 18 or so, just kind of learning general mystical things from them and then kind of ushered off on my own as I went to college to sort of crack open the the oyster and figure out for myself, you know, what are the things that interest me? What do I want to learn about? Which directions am I called in? Mm-hmm. Um, Did, were they practicing like rituals as druids or were they just hanging out as druids learning druid The things? guy I was the closest to taught me to read the runes. Okay. He was pretty serious about the whole like uh, pagan witchcraft druidic thing. Um, some of the guys, it was sort of a more social thing. Like they just, they, they came to hang out and that was really all at like meetings or whatever. But then mm-hmm. a smaller group of those same guys would get together and actually do ritual on like the solstices and equinoxes and what have you. What were they like? Like, you know, with you being uh, a member of Obod now, do you reflect on those rituals and say like, oh, yeah, it was pretty druidic or no, that there was, that would, that was just you know, you know, eclectic pagan, neo-paganism, and they just called themselves druids. I think druid was just their word for it because they wanted something that captured the like, I mean, the, the thing about the word druid is it's got all those, you know, nature overtones and mm-hmm. years of like RPGs and stuff co-opting the term have contributed to that also. Like really all it kind of was, was like, there was a clearing in the local woods. We would all show up, make a big fire, those who were of age would drink. Somebody would say, you know, some some magic words every now and then, and then when it was when the fire died down, we would all go home. Okay, and that's just kind of so. It was it was probably more of an eclectic thing, right? But it gave me the word, and it gave me kind of um, a style of ritual that has kind of been like the the overtone to all of the general stuff that I do, like it's all these years later uh i've spent time in thelema and as parts of various sorts of like covens and other groups and i always 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 come back to get outside build a fire and that that like around the fire is where the ritual is done right, right, right. like it, it's in the it's the it's in the dna of my practice now whatever else i do that's part of it fireplace if there's not you know if you're indoors but like yeah, yeah. central fire around which to do ritual that's always been kind of my thing um speaking to obot in particular though there was um i definitely do remember like getting into the very earliest stages of it and having this very real feeling of like being called home to a mm. tradition that i had it was weird because it was sort of like it was like nostalgia, but for not for a place you've ever been. Yeah, I you yeah. know what I I one hundred percent understand what you're saying. And you know, growing up, I was a teenager in the '90s, and I, I picked up my first book on witchcraft when I was fourteen. So, and that was 1990. That would have been 1992. So you know, that whole period, you know. Um, you know, Llewellyn just pumping out the, the the books. And one thing that you see in almost every book on Wicca or witchcraft or, you know, whatever you want to call it, neo-paganism, is uh, the author, like, when I discovered Wicca, it felt like coming home. And 
I, I never, I, I, I thought I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I understood what they were saying and, and I got what they were saying. Um, and I definitely felt more comfortable doing these practices than, you know, the Roman Catholicism, but it wasn't until, and before I even joined OBOD, like I went on Druidry.org, their, their, their website and just the homepage. And I was like, Oh, I I'm home. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I I've arrived. I'm here. This is where I'm supposed to be. And so I never really got that feeling until I actually came across Obot. So I get, I definitely get what you're saying. Yeah. And so, so for me, it became an exploration, you know, a lot running alongside the track of doing the work of the Bardic grade was learning more about like, um, what Druidry is as a whole. Um, I remember picking up uh, the former chosen chief of the order, Philip Cargom, uh, has a book called The Druid Way. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it's his like mem- a memoir of like a walked trip around the island of Britain or a section of it. And like, just to like, to, to, to go through the experiences as he presented them and to understand like how fundamental connecting to the land in that way was, mm-hmm. uh, was kind of a revelation because it was not until I read that book, it was not something that I realized that I had been longing for and not able to get until I ended up living where I do now. Right, right, right. Was right. the other part of it for me was feeling connected to the place and feeling like I had put roots down and mm-hmm. something less transient than the existence I had had up to that point. Were you? So we're because you joined Obod last year or was it the year before? I yep, I just I started, yep, I just passed my one year of having right, joined Obod. Right, right. So I okay. just just finished the Bardic grade. Yeah, yeah. So I mean you were buying books on Druidry prior to joining Obod or not so much not not prior to but like kind of just after like the first couple okay. months of starting to get the guersa it it, it 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 lit this uh this it kindled this curiosity in me where i was okay. just like what else can i learn about this uh that's kind of an acculturated thing because i spent so long studying philosophy like the answer leads you on to more questions so yeah. go answer those questions too and get and then ask new ones and so on and so forth so your your practice like this 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 druid group that mm-hmm. you know these 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 guys that you're hanging out with like th- it was those experiences really that informed your druidry as opposed to okay so this was fun i need to learn more so there was a gap there between like oh, yeah the, a, a very the, long the, one a yeah, very long yeah. one. That was because, like I say, I, I ended up, I left that group because, you know, I went away to school uh, when I was 18 and um, didn't come back again to Druidry until last summer, you know, a full 10, 11 years later. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, like seeing what, seeing the image they must have had that they were using to like paint the veneer over what they were doing. 
like especially in particular my 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 rune master like what it was that he was aspiring to be and what he was trying to do mm-hmm. and these people around him who you know took that more or less seriously for themselves but definitely not more seriously than he did right and so it 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 it, it was like oh so this is the thing that that was that was modeled after this is the thing that that was supposed to be like here now i have like like a more a more purely distilled version of like nature as part and parcel of the magical practice and not just a thing to mine for stuff to use in the magical practice right 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 but the difference the difference between just having a magic wand and knowing why it's made of oak or holly or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you you mentioned you would you would join a Thelema group as well. Um, I did a lot of well, okay, so um, that's I call myself a former Thelemite, but it was always okay. alone. Okay. Um, like I don't have you know I, I I never did the OTO or the ECG things. I don't have any degrees to show for. Um, the two years I spent neck deep in everything Alistair Crowley wrote <laughs> because it's so much. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. But so how do you go? Th- that's not the right way to ask this question, but I'm just going to say it that way anyways. How do you go from like, I need to be rolling around in the dirt, Druidry, to, hey, Thelema sounds fun. Um, Wanting to understand... Uh, ceremonial magic more fully mm-hmm. because like especially obod's presentation of druidry it has those elements of uh of ceremony which was useful by the time i got there but the thing that of course sort of kindled that for me was i stumbled on actually i have it sitting right here next to me uh chris penchak's temple series oh yeah mm-hmm. so i started with Sh- the temple of shamanic witchcraft and that one is all on water and getting in touch with healing spirits and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. which was interesting, but it was kind of just an extension of things I was already doing. Then the next one is the temple of high witchcraft. And it's, it's the air book. It's the ceremonial stuff. And I wanted to understand something because like you say, it seemed so anathema to the way I had learned to do it in the first place of, like you said, out in the dirt, around the fire pit, you know, dancing sky clad under the moon or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I didn't mean to imply <laughs> anathema. That's why I said that I'm. this isn't the right way to ask this question. But, you know, because you you can be, you know, ceremonial and, and, and be a druid, of course. Right. But, you know... There's I'm, an apparent dichotomy there, though, isn't there? Yeah. Like it seems like they're opposite each other. And that was the thing at the time was like, I want to understand this thing that is so different from the thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And then you learn about it and you find out that a lot of the things that you're doing over here are just this wearing other clothes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so it helped me. And like what it was was, oh, okay, I understand. This is this is just, there's, there's, there's more, it's stage dressing is also kind of the wrong word. But mm-hmm. like, if ritual is the act which you're doing always in any kind of magical environment, mm-hmm. here is one that has, it demands more trappings. It has more rules. You need to cast this spell at precisely this time on this day to get the maximum functionality out of it um, or what have you. Whereas like 
the the druidic thing that I'd been doing before was a little bit less, there was a little less precision to it because it was kind of just following the cycle of the seasons. You do things when they feel right. Um, I mean, over and above the things you can tell, like when the sun is at its peak and you do Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, like a lot, I don't, I don't think a lot of people that aren't, you know, don't know much about modern Druidry. I don't think a lot of them realize the history of the Druid revival and how um, lodge-like it was. Like it, it, it modeled itself um, just like uh, the Golden Dawn and whatnot it modeled itself around the um, Masonic lines uh, for for how Masonic uh, lodges kind of um, organize themselves. So it definitely has those elements. And, you know, you read um, Ross Nichols, who was Philip Cargom's teacher and mentor, um, the Book of Druidry. And you can really see those, those ceremonial elements and, and that sort of Masonic flavor to, mm-hmm. to um, modern Druidry. And then even like like uh, John Michael Greer, his, a, well, I shouldn't say his, because I don't know if it's his order, but the ancient order of Druids in America are, it's, it's Lodge Druidry as opposed yeah. to, you know, the Druidry that I think most people think of, of is like, you know, clearing in the woods. Yeah. You know, dirt and a fire and you know stuff like that definitely yeah there's it, it doesn't have um though the modern version does not have the kind of savage overtones that uh it, it often gets painted with in if in the more ancient examples mm-hmm. uh but even then you know a lot of if, you, if you're looking at that stuff a lot of the things we have historically too come to us through people who are outside the culture where ancient druids had their practice and so it's always going to be colored through that lens of like especially with the roman sources like caesar all the barbarism they're going to project into that so as to there's only about eight full pages of contemporary accounts of druidry that we have available to us eight full pages you know and even that because that was from the Rome perspective who you know at the time were you know trying to colonize the British yeah it's obviously going to take a certain flavor you know um make them you know paint them in in not so great a light yeah and that's 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 for me. It was it was learning all that history that was um, the most interesting part. I mean, because it, it felt to me going through the Guerrilla for the Bardic Raid like it was sort of broken into two pieces. Here's all the history. Now that we've taught you all the history, here's all the ritual, mm-hmm. and like that was a useful approach because it allowed me to to understand kind of the way you know, when you pick up your wand and go to um, call the, call the, call the elements or call the quarters or whatever you want to call it for druidic ritual. Like you feel the weight of all that you're doing with that. And it's kind of hard not to think of, you know, um, drawing the pentagrams when you do the LBRP, Mm -hmm. uh, 
at like at the same time, you know, picking it up and getting ready to do all this, clearing the space and opening it up and getting it ready for what needs to happen. And the history of how it got to be where it is versus the image that people have of it, where it's like, you know, I mean, most of my, most of the mental imagery I have when I think of like what the stereotypes of druids are is just like World of Warcraft, basically. Okay. okay. One with nature, transform into animals, mm -hmm. kind of like I say, the D&D &D sort of thing yeah. that happened to it of late. And it's, it's, that, it, I lost the thread of where I was going with that. The reverence for nature bit of that is right. It's all the rest of it that is like, some of this is grafted on, guys. Um, but th that that was for me. That was what the, the name Druid always came down to was the reverence for nature and the closeness with nature. Right. Um, my grandmother was native, so um, she introduced me to that culture through like the the powwows and things, um, and you know the various other. Uh, performances and celebrations that native cultures will put on from time to time in places where there are in places where they live um and so it's just this thing again like i say you know it, you i look back and it's just this thing that has always been shot through the way that i move through the world it's just how close am i to the nearest trees <laughs> right 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 yeah uh and so it, that's I say the interim between, um, you know, the group of guys in Mount Clemens where I was living at the time and where I'm at now is just filled with, all right, what strikes my curiosity? What seems like it would be fun to learn? What seems like I, what feels like it's presenting itself to me? Because I moved through, you know, I moved through a period of being a Norse pagan and I moved through a period of being a Celtic pagan and I moved through a period of being, like I said, dealing, you know, doing, doing the more ceremonial work of Thelema. And then it got to what I... I don't want to use the word practical, but more, more like basically divination. I got into, I got really into astrology and tarot around the same time. And that sort of, um, that has kind of been the other thread of like major thread of my practice has been developing the skills of a diviner through the various methods that I've learned to do that, which of course also has its origins in, the group of quote unquote druids. Right. And my rune master who was among their number. Does anything from Flema, does that do you use any anything uh in like combining it with like your Obod druidry? Does it inform it in, in any way? Um I, I do try so so the thing about Thelema for me is is seeing how uh one of the and one of the reasons i devoured so many books about it was seeing how uh crowley took all these uh you know uh symbolically and meaning late symbol and meaning laden things and kind of spun them all together into Thelema and all the things that are going on like with the thoth tarot that he made and, you know, it has all those associations. It's got astrological and numerological and Kabbalistic implications. And that level of, like, layers on layers of meaning is something that I like. So, like, I have my juridic practice, but I wrap, my, I wrap it 
I wrap my astrology in that too, you know, knowing like what hour of what day it is to know when to kick off the ritual. Again, that kind of thing about precision, mm-hmm. folding things in like that um, has been kind of the biggest part of it is just like, I forget where he wrote it because of, again, he was a prolific writer, but the thing of, um, like one of the things about magic is that it's like the aim. It, it, he was trying to, I forget exactly the words, but it's like trying to marry science and religion, yep. I guess. Yeah. I think of it more as trying to marry science and magic, like do define all of the parameters for a working as much as you can in order to accurately describe what the result is. What? Oh God. Now that's going to bother me. Um, the aim of, the method of science, the aim of religion, I think that, is the quote. Oh, does that does that sound right? Yeah, I can't remember. That's gonna bother me now. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna bother me. But I, I like that approach. Um, the, the approach of uh, the kind of Adam Savage school of magic where it's uh, the only difference between screwing around and science is writing it down. Uh, <laughs> um, but so it's, it's, that's the kind of the big thing for me is just, um, that very documentary style of here are all the things that I need to make sure are in the right place at the right time so that when I go, okay, we start. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I, I get what you're saying because, you know, as much as I love my, you know, rolling around in the dirt, um, druidry and, like oh i need incense okay well here's a twig and here's a leaf that'll do um i i'm still i still like my um you know like the like the prep work of ceremonial mm-hmm. magic and you know the the very special incenses and compounding the very special incenses and oils and the you know uh, the proper day the proper hour and astrological correspondences like i love I love putting that all together and, you know, those layers and layers of, of symbol and meaning and, and, uh, and energy. Um, so, yeah, I, but I mean, I also practice, uh, I, uh, the golden dawn system of magic. So, you know, it's, I kind of blend the two together, not putting together like a, like a system, like John Michael Greer, uh, started his, uh, Celtic order, the golden dawn or, or whatever. And, um, you know, not like, not making it like this cohesive whole system. It's just, I, I blend my two practices together as, as needed. Yeah. That's, that's, I find that it works better. My, my, my workings do better when I give myself a framework in which to allow the ecstatic parts of my, uh, practice to happen mm-hmm. like here is the box in which i'm going to perform this ritual and anything that happens inside this box is fair game yeah 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 that way, like you know if 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 midway through i'm inspired to add a bit in or change the words around then i do that because i've given myself the framework in which to know exactly where this deviation is going to take me mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. wasn't there before yeah you might be interested. I don't, I don't know if you've heard the book or you've read the book uh, of from John Michael Greer, um, the Celtic Golden Dawn or whatever it's called. 
um, you might find that interesting. Um, I've read others of his work and it's been pretty good. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's not as it's not as golden dawn as one would have thought uh, Greer would have produced. Um, but you know, whatever it is, what it is. A, a friend of mine, Frater RC, he's he's um, he's taken W. You know, WB Yates was a member of uh, the Golden Dawn. And he started developing the Order of Celtic Mysteries, which he never completed. And, and it's, you know, um, you know, working like with Irish gods and mythology as opposed to like Egyptian and Greek and whatnot. Yeah, the two of the Danon. But within, yeah, but within that, that, that sort of like Golden Dawn framework and Golden Dawn system. So that's going to be interesting to see how, how, that comes together because um, apparently I didn't know this, but apparently when um, uh, Westcott and, and Mathers and uh, uh, were, you know, putting together the Golden Dawn and, and developing everything, originally they were going to use Celtic gods, but ended up going with with Egyptian instead. So, which I guess ended up prompting Yeats to kind of go along that path. And I mean, he was pretty hardcore with the Celtic stuff. I mean, his, his um, Irish nationalism and whatnot. So it's no surprise that he wanted to tap into that, that whole um, mythology and, and, and work with that mythology within a Golden Dawn framework. So it's going to be interesting to see how those, um, come together like for for me personally as a druid and as someone that likes ceremonial magic and golden dawn in particular to see how those how that just comes together as, mm -hmm. a, as a working um functioning system definitely especially with you know the the richness of uh of irish and of celtic culture Mm -hmm. uh, th th that's, you know, they're just waiting for someone to really sit down and like, if nothing else, just systematize the parallels. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't believe that no one, no one um, all this time has taken Yeats's work on the Order of Celtic Mysteries and completed it, you know? And then like, so that's what my friend Fred Arts is doing right now. Um, you, you know, you think like in theory, like Greer would have been ideally suited to do it. His book, um, his Celtic Order of the Golden Dawn, they focus on the Welsh as opposed to the Irish. So, which is which is great because you'll have you know you know, and as we should, a plethora of options. You yeah. know, you can work, you know, with. Greer and, and the Welsh gods under the system. You can work with, you know, Yeats's Order of Celtic Mysteries and the Irish system. And, you know, basically like creating a home for everybody. Mm -hmm. That's something about uh, the uh, Bardic grade work that uh, really got me too was the, um, the, the willingness to cross, you know, this, the all of this uh 
British history together and, you know, the, and then the greater chain of islands too, bringing in Scotland, mm. bringing in Ireland, um, you know, learning all these stories about like the tale of Talies and um, exposure to these things that I had not up, up to that point in, um, in my path, I had yet to really grapple with other than, like I said, a brief foray in my teens into uh, Celtic reconstructionism and, you know, doing that. Other than that, I had had no experience with anything from the British Isles. So it was kind of cool to get all that history and immediately start doing work with it. Um, well, you had, you also mentioned um, like near the beginning that you had like after you uh, moved away mm -hmm. and you were no longer with that, that Druid group and you, you know, were in Holy Men, you said you joined a couple of covens. Were they, were these covens like um, eclectic neo-pagan, like they were? Yeah, just a okay. bunch of people okay. getting together okay. for, so you, you a bunch did, of people getting together yeah. for, the, for the spokes okay. of the year. That was really okay. it. Okay. So there, there really wasn't like that part of those covens like that, that, you know, history of, of British witchcraft and paganism or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, you could okay. probably have gotten it from some of the other members if you wanted to, but it mm -hmm. was mostly a thing of there being so there being just that number of people in just that area to all get together and do the thing that we were all going to be doing anyway, mm -hmm. and just kind of <laughs> making it universal as that's possible to do when you might have, um, you know, uh, somebody who's like a trad witch on one hand, and then, you know, somebody who uh, fell down the rabbit hole of Norse mythology because of the popularity of the Marvel movies. Mm. And it's like a baby, baby pagan in the same place at the same time, trying to both do a ritual for Lunasa or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, that eclecticism I think is good. Um, especially for like celebratory rituals, like the Sabbaths where, you know, it's not, it's not like you're doing like heavy duty magic or anything like that. You know, it's, it's just, you know, pagans of various stripes come together, I think is, is fun because you get to learn a lot of different things from different people. It's great to be part of, you know, the golden dawn or, or a, gardenerian coven or, or whatnot where you know you're learning those systems that's wonderful um but if that's your only sort of source for for magic and spirituality you know you can you can certainly miss out on on things yeah the cultural plurality of it was huge i definitely uh think that that was probably to my very great benefit was just having that kind of diffuse um collection of you know people who all do that it illuminated for me how big of an umbrella mm -hmm. being a pagan is and yeah. all the different things that you can put under it and still have these people all together in a room and just like basically you know compare notes yeah how and, big of an umbrella it is and how impossible it is to define mm -hmm pagan in in a sense you yeah know? not in any positive sense you have to almost have to define it by what it's not instead of mm -hmm. what it is mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk about your experiences through the Bardigrade. Um, and I, I like talking about, or I like talking to old bodies about their experiences through the Bardigrade just because of uh, what I experienced through when I was going through the Bardigrade, which was pretty, pretty profound. And, you know, and, and I just miss, uh, like I was saying to you the other day, I just miss that package of of wars arriving in the mail once yeah. it was like it was magic it was mm-hmm. complete magic yep get home from work open up the mailbox and see that brown envelope and it, it made even the worst day better because it's like yes. oh absolutely i'm so excited absolutely. now i have something i have something to do for the next like two weeks mm-hmm. yeah um because it was i was really uh really really dedicated to it there was only I remember when I started the the Bardic Raid, there was only one other like new thing going on in my spiritual practice at the time, which was really just through exposure to a uh, to this to, to a group that actually the the same friend of mine who uh, convinced me to sign up for the Obad Guerso was also part of this other group I was in, where we were practicing sort of a kind of a different spin on the spokes of the wheel of the year. Okay. And so it was the only other thing going on in my life besides the Druid stuff. So I had that, but it was only like, you know, what is that every month and a half or so? Ish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And but, so but what was this different spin on? So like, it was, you, um, you talk about that kind of. So if obviously you're familiar with house Capru, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, a group of people on the discord forum that they have got together and formed like one of those Kareet work groups. Yep. And I was in that create in that create work group, like okay. from the okay. very beginning. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we were doing we were doing the, the the kind of open source version of the of House Capru's Wheel of the Year, right? And all the different the ways that they do, like it's still it's still the you know the various guideposts of moving through a year, mm-hmm. but they do them differently. Yeah. Okay. But one of the big takeaways for me from that was kind of dividing the year into what I think of as like solar and lunar or light and dark halves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're at the peak of the light half of the year. And that has really been informing my practice these last three or four months. Um, but like, it was the only other thing going on in my life at the time that I got my first Quersa and started doing this thing. So I had, again, you know, we would gather as a group and do these virtual Sabbaths over, you know, voice chat on Discord or whatever. Yeah. Um, which was nice because it kept me doing the rituals the way that I needed to. Especially, you know, and it was the perfect time for it because, you know, we're all in lockdown. mm -hmm. And I mean, even for places in the States, I know that didn't go into real, like complete lockdowns, but you still need to, you know, if you're using your head, you're going to stay pretty isolated. You know, like, you know, Michelle started the connection ritual, which was great. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, uh, doing the virtual rituals. So they were, they were a nice lifeline. Yeah. It, it was actually, that's a lifeline for me personally is a great way to put it. I had just spent a month where I couldn't leave my house because mm-hmm. I had gotten, uh, I had been, a friend of mine had gotten COVID and I was exposed to them, uh-huh. uh, in a, in a, in a window between when they were exposed and when they knew they were sick. Right. So I had to take the two weeks off work. And then midway through that, my workplace shifted its um, scheduling so that 
nobody had to be or everybody would work two straight weeks on and then get two weeks off so as to make sure that like you know rotate the staff make sure we weren't getting covid i work for a financial institution that's my day job Mm. excuse me that's my day job and so you know to make sure that we keep the the bank open and the money flowing right we were rotating but that was midway through my two weeks i ended up spending a month at home where the only other person i saw was my partner right and so it was you know then it was go back to work but the the buildings were all closed and since i was uh i was a loan officer at the time i wasn't even seeing people the most i was doing was talking to people on the phone right like i wasn't even over you know like handling drive-through tubes for like the atm or whatever so it was just it was this crippling sense of it was like if solipsism was a punishment Mm. like congratulations you're the only thing in the universe suffer (laughs) is kind of how that felt yeah and um so you know to to this friend of mine is like hey you know told me about the connection rituals told me about house capru told me about obad here are all these things you can do to feel more connected again and it was at that point it was i was just grabbing onto straws trying desperately to yeah to, to feel like i was a person um and so, you know, the, the sense of, of of stepping back into myself and of reconnecting with, um, you know, not not just a younger me, but also like a feeling of normalcy, was a really big part of those um, those early guerrilla for me. And then it was um, as as you go through again, you know, that, that first half of it is all the historical stuff. Um, I also at that time was going through my little window of being obsessed with ancestry.com. And found that um, <laughs> my mother's family actually has a lot of uh, English and Scottish and Irish. Okay. And so it was, it wasn't just a sense of homecoming in terms of my practice, but in terms of my ancestry, returning to the islands where my ancestors were born and the, you know, the stories that it is not at all difficult to imagine a very distant ancestor of mine, just hearing at the knee of his father or something. <gasps> Oh my God, I just realized it's been a little over a year since we did your initiation, your Obod initiation. Yep. Oh my God, this, oh, time, I mean, time has completely lost all meaning. Yeah. Uh, Time has completely lost all meaning and I can't believe it's been that long already. Yeah, it's been a little while. And so it was, uh, like I say, it was just this thing of just feeling having something definite to like for, for, for a part of my practice to touch on other than just something, one more thing that I did Mm. every time, you know, every day between when the sun came up and when the sun went down. Yeah. Um, and so it, by the time we finally got to the ritual bits of the Obad Guersa, by the time I got there, I was like, come on, when does the one come where I get to start doing stuff? Mm. I would I like did just the full fervor of fire sign impatience. I was I was just I was like, come on, give me, give me the one. And of course it um I remember opening up the one where they finally let you do like start working your way through the elements. And the right. first one was Earth. And I opened that up and saw that and I was like, of course it is. And then every time I opened up the next element and it wasn't fire, I was like, fire's gonna end up being last. And it was, but it was this very mm-hmm. for me, 
Earth was the most profound of the four elements, but it was they, they were all they, they were all kind of laden with that profundity. It was just yeah. like the, like the Earth sign stuff. Just it, it was about you know like he, for me it was a thing of learning to. Um, I keep think I think of it in my head as learning when I walk to lead with my heel, okay. so as to like feel the impact of my foot against the earth and know know that I take up space. A lot of it turned into sh- like very quickly. A lot of the stuff that Guerso was doing also started to play in the shadow work that I was going through at the time. Right. So it's learn to be comfortable taking up space and learn to be comfortable with the, per- with the person that you are, mm-hmm. and um. You from there proceeding through to water and then to air and then to fire. Um, and just to, to, to sort of feel in a very real way how the Obad rituals, the way they talk about trying to embody the element and its qualities and to sort of feel yourself become, you know, um, to flow like water or to move like air mm-hmm. in those, in those ways of, you know, let it like with water in its flow, like feeling the emotions that you have, but not getting so attached to them that you get stuck in sadness or rage or whatever. Uh, it, it, these things, like I say, if some of these things were very profound for me, but if it was, with earth, it was slow down and take a breath you have to sit like the whole thing about putting roots down that we talked about a little while ago. One of the big lessons for me, the big takeaways from working on earth was um, you have to sit still long enough for, to put roots down, to put roots down. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the whole, you know, a rolling stone gathers no moss or whatever. And it was, so this, it was this thing of, but like, I got through the earth bit and then immediately went back and reread all the Guerso that came before immediately i was like okay hold on a minute before i keep doing this did i miss something Mm. because at the time i was a little concerned that with how profound the stuff was that was happening to me while i was going through the earth portion of the guersa i was a little worried that water and air water air and fire or some combination thereof might crack me open right and i was a little worried about what that would mean uh kind of and i uh i sort of it reminds me of a conversation i had not long before starting on the air course uh, with um with Gwyn, the friend of mine who got me into the Obat stuff and we were talking about um Koranzan. I'm probably not pronouncing that name correctly, but um you know you have to like face the dweller in the abyss. Koranzan. Yeah Koranzan. Yeah, Koranzan. We, were, we were talking about like what it would mean to stand there at the edge of everything and nothing all at once and willingly give over being something Mm -hmm. and like then it clicked for me like like that was the part about being cracked open that i was afraid of right right sort of like 
like like the whole thing of, of like ego death i was just afraid to like do it and then just dissolve into the universe right or something like thanos had snapped his fingers yeah yeah uh, and so it was this thing of of uh like wanting to go more carefully about it so as not to shatter myself with revelations that i wasn't prepared for because i had done too much too quickly right um, but i mean but you can still you know take that process slow and still be shattered by revelations mm-hmm. um you know because I, I mean that's the purpose of of the course yeah is to is to and, and so it, it became this thing of starting uh to understand the truth in all like those old um like like hearing like that was the thing about the bardic raid for me was starting to understand really like all those old stories and all those old adages and what you're actually supposed to get out of what people mean when they say things like um what is normal to the spider is chaos to the fly right all those sorts of kind of like trite old cliches and that and just be like you know there's actually a whole lot to that if people weren't just in a hurry to just parrot yeah they were saying like you know or, or even how we drop halves of stuff like it's birds of a feather flock together, but only till the cat comes. Yeah. Things like that. And so it was just this thing of really starting to get a whole different sense of the inner narrative of day-to-day life. Right. Right. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Lux Files. I'm not just the host of this podcast. I'm also the owner of Leilokens Owen. I make beeswax and scented spell candles, loose stick and liquid incense, anointing rolls and bath salts. So once you're done listening to this episode, why don't you head on over to my website at www.leilokensawin.com and check out my products. For your convenience, the link to the website is also in the show notes. Now, I took the Bardic Raid back in 2006. So, I mean, it's been a while. Um, but I, so I can't remember where in the Bardic Raid. I think it's in Earth, but I can't remember. And I, so I don't think the course has changed between then and now. So you should know what I'm talking about, but there's a, a section in um, in the course where it, you know it, you're, you're doing so much inner work, and there are some um, guided visualizations, things like going into a cave and meeting an old man and or your other self or some, I can't remember. I should have actually, you know, because I knew we'd be talking about your experiences in the Bardigrade, I should have actually gone through my gores and reread these ones. There is a series of- I do remember this one. I think they're they're in the the 30 range, maybe. I do remember this one. Um, So if I remember right, it's the bit where they have you go through the guided visualization and uh or the book guides you through one and um you talk to uh, i forget their names because it's the the either the welsh or the irish but they're you know they're they're tough on a on english speaker because they're not anyway uh the old man 
uh, who watches Caridwin's Cauldron and the little boy who ends up becoming Taliesin who stirs Right, it. right, right, right. Um, uh, uh, Mordred and Gwienbach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I do remember that. I remember that very vividly because they took very distinct forms for me. Yeah. So interesting. there's a series of gores around that. Um, like I said, I think they're in the 30s. I, sh- I should have I should have cracked open my my bardic Ray journals uh and and re- refresh my my memory on this before speaking to you anyways they i had such profound experiences in that that in in those few weeks of of grade material that i ended up redoing it and redoing it and redoing it because i was discovering so much about myself so much so that that shattering that you were worried about happened to you happened to me and I was while I was going through the bardic grade I had uh taken a course um at the transform I was living in Toronto at the time at the Trans- transformational arts college I took their natural um health care practitioner certification course and it was two years and that was a pretty interesting profound experience because uh you know it's a lot of energy work and and reiki and stuff like that so you know your purpose for taking this course is to help other people but it's going to affect you and transform you as well of course so i'm doing that and i'm doing the bardic grade and at one point and i i remember the day i remember the time i remember where i was i just my whole personality just shattered and I used shattered specifically because in my mind, I saw myself just shatter into, you know, the way tempered glass breaks Mm -hmm. shattered like that into just a pile of broken pieces. And it wasn't traumatic. It wasn't like, like this huge traumatic experience, but there was the sense of I'm no longer a person. I, I, I don't exist anymore because my personality is gone because it's just all these pieces and I had to sit there and pick up these pieces and grab this piece and like oh I don't like this about myself throw it away grab this piece oh I like this about myself I'm keeping this and rebuild myself as a person so much so that the pre- Shattered Sean and the post Shattered Sean are two completely different people. Two complete, like you wouldn't recognize, um, you wouldn't recognize me before that that experience. And you know that's that's true. And I that's true initiation. And I I know you know what that experience, why I went through it, and and what its purpose was. You know. I mean, it took years to truly understand what that whole process was and what it meant and, and you know, why I experienced, you know, people are so hung up on initiation rituals and um, like, like, you know, like they're getting a passing grade. Yeah. In school. And um, I mean, an initiation ritual can certainly be, you know, could be the, endpoint in a, in a 
an initiatory process. It could also be the beginning point, you know, um, but it's not the only point of, of initiation. Right. And that's what a lot of people don't, um, don't understand. Yeah. Especially in stuff that, that like this is somewhat, you know, inspired or ecstatic in that way. It's just that like, you have to be prepared for the fact that like, at some point after this is over, you're going to look in the mirror and, and see somebody looking at you that is not the person that you were when you started. Yeah. Um, and that point, for all that it is that person, it's also not them. Yeah. And that point in the Gwurz isn't even the halfway point. I don't, I don't think. No, no, it wouldn't have been. Uh, I think maybe it was like within the first quarter, yeah. I would say. And so, you know, one could say in theory i shouldn't have had that experience that soon within the the grade work um but yet here i am you know a pile of pieces and having to reconstruct the entirety of my being you know so it's not um they're not they're not experiences that are done on schedules that's for sure Yes. Yeah, definitely not. It was, it was, it was sometimes I would pick up a gorse and I would read the first few sentences of the first page and have to close it and put it down. Cause I knew it was just like, like there's a right time for this. It's not today. It's not right, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it would be half an hour later. Sometimes it would be a week later, but I would just be too raw or something to be ready to pick it up and continue. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period actually, I think, where I got um where I got a Guersa pack. This probably would have been like the third quarter of it, early in the third quarter of getting those. Um, and I just left it unopened for a while. I was just like, you know what? I'm still working on what I was working on before. I'll get to this when I when I get to it, it'll be fine. Um and then uh it's funny, you know, thinking about it just now, it's funny that I know how much of this I notice where, like, there's some relevant thing with when the Guersa arrived and whether or not Mercury was in retrograde. Okay. And I hate to lean on everybody's favorite, you know, like, pop astrological whipping boy. But, um, like, just, I, w- I would get one and, oh, nope, Mercury retrograde. I need to wait. And, like, if, if, if that was me blaming it, fine. But, uh, you know, we would get to the end of it. I would open it up and be prepared for its contents. Right. So, like, I have the feeling that there must have been something to it, but it just thinking about it just the second, it was like, huh? Because that's also been my thought process lately. As Mercury has just just stationed direct yesterday, I believe, mm-hmm. and like my whole thought process now, right now, has been take the retrograde, take the three weeks, think about whether or not you want to go on to ovate. Uh think about how you're going to do that because you know there's the whole process of applying for it that you have to do through your mentor and so Mm -hmm. i'm sitting here have been for the last couple weeks just thinking it over do i want to go on to the next part of this am i ready for whatever might come yeah if i do that i didn't i didn't want to and you know um i don't know have you ever uh, visited Jurd's Head Pub, the online forum. 
Yeah, but not very often. Okay. Um, I don't know. I haven't been on there in, in ages. I don't know how active it is um, anymore because when it was like my time and I was on there quite a bit, um, I think the only social media really was MySpace and Facebook. You know, there wasn't Twitter and, and Instagram and, you know, um, Discord and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, so I, I noticed like, well, if certain forms don't even exist because they just completely died because they all shifted, migrated into the Facebook group. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know how active it is um, anymore. Um, but I would get, um, not get, no, sorry. I would read people like, oh, um, I finished uh, my part of grade today. Yay. Uh, it's been a year and a day since I started it. I'm like, really? Like, you really zipped through it that quickly? That, like, right, a year and a day right on the dot, you're done, and you're ready for Ovate? I mean, I spent months, that though, that that series of words that were just so transformative for me, I spent months just redoing them and redoing them and redoing them and redoing them over and over and over because it was just such a profound experience you know and there's these people that's like oh i i finished druid in three years i'm like like from you know from day one of bar to day end of of druid course in three years yay i'm like wow wow yeah. I, I i don't know i i really don't know what to say to that yeah, that kind of, uh, for one, that kind of uh, resilience is impressive. Uh, I don't know that I could uh, throw myself against that wall that hard, that that just that consistently. Well, that's my question. Like, Were they? Were they throwing themselves against the wall that hard? Who knows? Maybe you know? to them. Maybe to them, it wasn't even that hard. That that I. I know that if even if I do, it's still going to be a couple of months down the road, because even if I decide to go for it, A, I'm going to have to write the damn thing. <laughs> and then B, I'm probably going to want to go back through just one more time with some of the Wersa that, like you pointed out, some of them were very profound, and maybe there's some more, um, more to be unearthed there. Uh, I definitely don't think it's something that, like, for me personally, I am with you. Uh, it's not something I could jump into right away, even if, uh, even if I thought I was ready, I would still want the time. Um, but no two timelines are the same. So no, it's true. It's true, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not discounting people's other people's. Experience. Oh no, yeah, no, 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 totally. I, I just, just like for me, whew, <laughs> yeah, that seems like oh, that. Yeah. Seems, that seems hasty. That seems yeah. fast. No, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think about things like, um, you know, not, and again, not to compare, but just, you know, just more for perspective, like uh, the Golden Dawn, you know, you have your your first, well, you have the five grades of the outer order, then you have go into portal, and then possibly you go into um, the uh, the second order. And um, that portal period, um, I think, is pretty vital because working through the four elements the way that we do in, in GD or, or in OBOD, 
it's it's tough work. It, it's it's really tough work because you have to look at yourself in the mirror, and 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 you have to really, be very 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 unflinching and honest about what you see. Yeah, and and it and it's hard work. So to have that time between Bard and Ovade, between you know um, the first order and the second order. I mean, it it's like that's that it, that just makes sense. Like that's logical, rational thinking, you know, uh, to have that time of reflection. And it's fascinating, you know, after years of since doing Bardic grade, you know, five years, 10 years even, to go back and and redo it. Um, it's fascinating what uh, what new sort of revelations and new experiences you uh, you you come up with you know when after after years of of reflection and yeah and more experiences and whatnot they certainly don't collect dust those gores you okay. know um they're, they're they're quite uh they're quite useful as an ongoing uh tool absolutely absolutely Yeah, I think for me, like, not it's not a profound change, but probably the most noticeable one is the way in which um, a, a spiritual or a magical mindset has become more of an everyday thing for me. Um, just like, um, so I, I, on the side of the day job, I apply my trade as a diviner and a tarot reader and what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, and at these events, you know, you, you constantly hear the other people who are um, doing their readings and their various other services talk about, you know, being worried about whether or not the day will go well, you know, whether or not there will be a steady stream of people coming through who want to buy what we're selling. And it's just this thing, like this attitude of, um, to the point I say it out loud a lot, like, you know, well, we did the work of showing up, spirit will do the rest, kind of that whole, like, you know, some Christians have that casual God will provide mentality. Right. To have that creep into the where it's just to the point of where eh, I'm not that stressed about it. Like that was a revelation for me because before I was stressed about everything. Okay. All right. Like so to not so, 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 so to have a the, the the not being anxious about just like the general state of affairs of any given day mm -hmm. um is probably one of the for me one of the greater blessings of it just because of like one of the things I think we don't talk about enough in a spiritual or magical context is the like the way it, it gives you quality of life and how much better it make like when you when you do it regularly and stay focused right. on it, how much better it can help make your life. Mm -hmm. Like and, and even not even in a magical sense of like I did the money spell and got a new job, but in the mundane sense of just like I generally kind of feel like a happier and more upbeat person. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to. Uh a friend of mine on the phone and I can't remember what we were talking about, but I basically said like, I find that because I have, Oh, we were talking, I think we were talking about, you know, like, like money magic, I think. And I said, you know, I, I never do any sort of like money or prosperity rituals for myself. Um, and so I basically, I, I don't know how 
it led to this, but I, I basically said, you know, I find that because I have such a, like a, a strong dedicated daily practice that I feel in general, everything that I need finds its way to me in, in the proportion, in the proper proportion because of my daily practice, you know, as opposed to, you know, okay, I got to, you know, um, I, I need more sales this month. So I'm going to do a success and prosperity ritual. You know what I mean? Everything just seems to, to happen in just the right amount when it needs to happen, you know? Yeah. Cause, and I mean, and, and I mean, I'm not greedy. Like, obviously I want my business to be su- successful, right. but Who I, I don't want to go from this to, well, first of all, I don't want to be a million dollar company anyways, but you know, I'm not petitioning any gods or angels or any spirits to be like, drop a million dollars in my lap or make my company a $10 million company by the end of the year, you know? Um, so, so I think just, you know, just being, you know, more spiritual, um, and having that practice, that daily practice, just things come as they need to come. In- yeah, I think it also comes come along with that, though. You have like a shift in like, um, like contentment, like what it takes to just be be satisfied with yeah. the way that your life is on any given day. Like it, it, it helps kind of, it helps you to like, have more realistic expectations about what's going to happen absolutely yeah you know you don't you like you you talked about not being a 10 million dollar company like that's that's right there you know you you get the work that you need yeah and because it all and all you have to do is um it's it's like taking care of a car or whatever it's just routine maintenance you keep the motor you keep the motor fueled and greased and ready to go and it runs as long as it needs to yeah it's, I feel like it's the same kind of thing. And I feel like it's one of those things that just, we don't, in these circles, we don't talk about often enough how great of a benefit that is out of what we do for ourselves yeah. day in and day out every day. Well, it's a hard conversation to have though, I think, um, just because, you know, there, well, I mean, there are people that, that, you know, are, are, magically inclined and you know or alternative spirituality whatever and they'll have such a rough go at it that it's i think it's easy i think i think it's a little too easy for us to be like oh yeah no if you just do daily practice you know, you'll just be so much happier. Oh yeah. Like obviously it's not a vacuum or anything like that where you do it in isolation. Obviously like if you have mental health struggles, go to therapy too. Yeah. And what, if you can and whatever, but like just, just what it can help do as part of like a daily routine is just. Yeah. It's, it's, you, you, you treat the whole person, body, mind, spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Now with Obod, as you know, but not everyone that's listening is going to be familiar enough with Obod. Um, it's not a, um, it's not a constructed system of this is what 
our rituals are. This is what our magic is. You do A, B, and C, da, 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 da. Um, it's really a path of personal discovery, um, personal work, personal spirituality. Um, you know, it, it, it's a it's a strong foundation for you to build a practice that suits you. Definitely, yeah. Um, so there's there's nothing like oh you you know you have to do this or or you know this is our initiation rituals this is how they're done um this is summer solstice ritual this is how it's done blah 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 so every you know druid can be very different and even though the bardic grade doesn't really touch on druid practices per se and i'm going to use the term druid practices loosely because it's a order that gives you so much right, because of how wide how wide and varied they might be yeah um what what's your what what's your daily practice like um so uh most of the time um uh, first thing i do every day is i um I keep, uh, I, there's medicine that I take daily because I have a condition. Uh, again, like I said, don't just do spirituality in a vacuum, kids yep. at home. Um, make sure that you take care of your other needs too. But uh, those are, they have um, a scratched bind runes into the plastic on the very bottom to like charge them with intent to, you know, help me get better or help me stay okay. better. Um, so like, I, I, I like to do whatever I can to kind of, bake it into stuff I'm already going to do every day. So like my water bottle has runes on it. My, uh, my, my pill bottles do too. Uh, they're, they're etched into the soles of my shoes. Like that a really big part of that is like just setting myself up with things that allow me to just kind of, um, that, that, that lend a little bit of magic to even the most mundane thing that I do every day. Right. Um, but the big ones are, um, I draw a tarot card every morning with a, over a cup of coffee um, and kind of, you know, like stir intention into the drink and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. um, like it's, 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 it, it, honestly, I think the things that are most successful for me are the things that other people would be like, oh, that's boring witchcraft, but it's the stuff that works. Yeah. yeah. You tend to do a cup of coffee while you sit with your tarot card for the day and try to figure out what the hell judgment reversed is supposed to mean. Uh, when you have to go to work and get audited, uh, right, right, yeah, <laughs> um, stuff like that. But then the other really big important part of my practice is um, <clears throat> I do walking meditations. Um, okay, I happen to live like half a mile from a lake, so it's just um, walk to the lake, sit for a while, usually close to sunset because of the work of my hours at the day job mm -hmm. and then walk back home and right. just the whole time be very present with uh how i'm feeling about my day where like where is that located at in my body what do i need to do about releasing it um i don't know like i say other than that I've, I've already got it kind of like pre-baked into the stuff that i do every day you know the the runes and the soles of my shoes every time i walk that charges them um that leaves me the time 
that kind of like setting up, actively setting up a kind of passive witchcraft, a passive magical practice leaves me the time to really put the work that I like to put, because like you, I like to put work into ritual. Right. Uh, it leaves me the free time to put the work in for when things like the solstice come up. Um, or if there are other things that I want to do, like um, here in the States, we have Veterans Day, which is um, in November. I think it might be right around the time Remembrance Day is actually, if I'm not mistaken, um, for y'all. But um, yeah, I think. Like I think second week so. in November? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so I have a, I personally have a really big practice with that. Uh, that's a holdover from when I was still doing the Norse pagan thing because okay. um, I was in, dedicated in particular to Odin, and he, one of his functions is his uh, Valfoder, father of the slain. So, you know, just to honor the memory of people who have made the ultimate sacrifice for the good of humanity. Right, right. Um, in whatever form that might have taken. Uh, specifically those people though and that's we could get into a discussion about who i'm leaving out but that's a whole other topic um but for things like that it leaves me the freedom to have you know the 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 days or the weeks that i might need to really sit down at my keyboard and plonk out um okay all of these people are going to be there of those people these ones want to do something this person is going to do this this person is going to do that and kind of you know delegate around the ritual roles so that we can once once we go out back and light the bonfire everything kind of falls into place yeah um so like i say like i say it's it's a lot of passive things like i have um i've i've got uh a series of like enchanted pieces of jewelry and I either will or won't wear them depending on whether or not they suit. For right. instance, I have my little soda light crystal on today. Um, good for communication, obviously. Mm -hmm. So uh, that way I can actually say what I'm talking about uh, versus like, I'll go to work and wear, um, you know, my, my Thor's hammer ring and a couple of different bracelets that are enchanted with protective charms and, um, my blackwood pendant with the sigil of lucifer on it just to like keep anything that's gonna be negative or harmful just as far away from me as i can right because of you know i work in finances you get some very angry people oh uh, yeah their I, money I, is not and understandably so when their money is not just so it's just that i don't want those people around me yeah um yeah. Or I don't want them bringing all that energy in my face. Leave it over there and tell me what you need without screaming. Uh, <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's, it's the things that make, I find that the best practices for me are the things that take magic into the most mundane parts of my day and do a little away with a little bit of that mundanity. Yeah. Yeah. So your daily practices are very practical. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely sort of a nuts and bolts kind of witchcraft. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because I mean, like, you know, ritual daily practice is obviously um, important. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not, I'm not minimizing it because it's, it's not, you know, quote unquote practical. But, yeah. um, but yours is like yours is practical. Like you're, like you're doing like daily hands-on magic. You know, 
Uh, yeah, there's a, I, like like game. weekly I get into the more like mystical things of like doing a full like cleansing ritual, um to 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 really make you know like the same as you would like the difference between taking a quick shower and doing a full body one hour scrub or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like that. Like the weekly thing is like go through and really give it a good energetic scrubbing and make sure that there's not anything hanging on to me or yeah. stuff that I left hanging or anything like that. And then more, again, you know, when it, when I need it, when it's called for the more mystical stuff, but that tends to be the Sabbaths, you know, I'm, I'm for the most, other than very rare occasions, I'm alone in here practicing by myself. So it's not this thing of, somebody coming to consult me about like i need a love potion or whatever you know the way like the the old cunning woman or medicine man might have done in various yeah, yeah. In antiquity yeah when people I, come to me they're like hey is my ex-boyfriend gonna come back to me and i'm like that's not what the tarot cards are gonna tell you stop asking yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i have the benefit of working from home and working for myself um so uh for the most i mean there's points in my life where i'm so busy like it's I'm just like, I'm, I'm a slave to my cuspers, you know, in those cases, of course, because the first priority is getting those orders out, obviously, but working from home and working for myself, I do benefit from, um, you know, a lot of freedom and a lot of time to do, you know, daily practice. And so my, my daily practices are a lot more uh, ritualistic, but like there are days where, it's I probably only spend an hour tops in in you know some form of ritual um with my daily practice because that's all the time that I have you yeah. know you have to I mean it, it it has to fit in with your life and and not the other way around yeah I like to to explore all the little fun ways like uh, the, people can say whatever they would like about witch talk i personally will also say plenty um but one of the things about it is just the, the fun little like things that people do to fit it in their day when otherwise they might not have like buttering a sigil onto your toast right. or something like not only is it you know like not only is it fun to do but when you're done you have something to eat like I, I find things like that neat. And so when I come across them, I give them a try. And if they're worth incorporating into my practice, I do. And yeah, yeah, I, I like the kind of, um, and it's one of the things that drew me about Druidry too, is the kind of uh, like agnosticism that a lot of this stuff can have. You don't need, unless it calls for it, you don't need to like invoke somebody specific or yeah. Uh, now that's not to say that, those things don't have their place. If I need to burn cash root for something, I'm going to go find it. Yeah. But it's nice to have also these other things that don't require that kind of specificity that I can fit into my day mm -hmm. so that I have the time and the energy and mental space to devote to getting all the things in order for the times when it is necessary to have this blow by blow list of things that I need to have and do and yeah. say. Yeah. 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 And you know, it's just for the record, it's not the practical magic that witch talk gets blasted for. Yeah, I mean, no, like, like buttering, buttering a like sigil on your toast is is pretty clever. That's that's pretty smart. Like I say, uh, but the other things I'm with you, there's a lot to say and I'll say plenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I uh 
Yeah. 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 That's we'll we'll leave it at. We'll leave it at. Yeah. <laughs> just cause. Just cause, yeah. It's an interesting place. Mm-hmm. Social media is is interesting. It's I, I think I'm like basically everyone else. It's a love-hate relationship. Like I, I I love social media. I hate social media. I mean, I don't see how you can how you can't hate yeah. social media and still and still love it and still utilize it and and be on it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's uh, it's a bizarre place. Yeah, definitely. I think my big thing with it is just trying to find um, trying to not find, but cultivate now, because that's what you have to do because of algorithms. Cultivate a place where what it is, is is whatever the thing is that I happen to be doing is um, either fun or useful, preferably both. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a, a friend of mine on Facebook um, who uh, he'll, he'll post a status that is like some, like, like some dumb game. Like it'll be like, uh, take a movie title and ruin it by changing one of the words. Right. Or something like that. Like so, so that's the kind of I try to cultivate this space of like, I'm not here because I'm trying to keep keep out like the I'm not here to hear the news. I'm not here to get in arguments with people about religion or politics or whatever. I am here. Basically, I'm on Facebook for the memes, is what it is. And yeah. because you know, if you have any kind of, as you know well, if you have any kind of like home based business or personal thing that you're trying to do not having a Facebook page is like saying you don't want customers. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know how long that mindset's going to last for because I find. I hope it changes. I, ho- I don't, I hope it changes. I would love to see that change, but like. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, and even though Facebook owns Instagram, I'm still going to talk about them as separate companies because I mean, they, they are separate apps. But I, I find um, Twitter and Instagram to be far more effective as bringing in business than than Facebook is. Um, I just see so many people just, I deleted Facebook, I deleted Facebook, I deleted Facebook, it's toxic, it's toxic, it's toxic, that I, I, I don't know how much longer that mentality of, you know, if you want to promote your business, you got to be on Facebook. How much longer that's going to last? Yeah, like I say, it would be a welcome change. It's been, you know, dominating culture for how long now? Yeah, it would be it would be a welcome shift to, preferably nothing to take its place, but something inevitably will. That's kind well, of just how it goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, something's gonna fill in the vacuum. What what it, what that looks like? I I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. Who knows? Maybe we go back to the era of message boards. <laughs> I think you know, I I do miss forums because they were I mean, they were there for discussion. And I mean, Twitter isn't there for dis- Instagram isn't there for discussion. You you post a picture and, you know. Um but I don't even attempt to have an intelligent conversation on Twitter because you always end up with that jackhole that just 
is a dick just for the sake of being a dick. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so, and it doesn't matter what topic it's about what your stance there's there's always going to be a dick coming on just to be a dick and it's like you know i i can't be bothered you know i i can't i just can't be bothered i'm too busy i'm too busy you know making my products i'm too busy doing my my magic and my ritual practices Mm -hmm. you you spend your time and energy creating drama on social media with people you've never met and never will meet I'll just be over here doing the work. I think so far my favorite place to be as far as like social media stuff goes is a, is a, at least a moderately well curated discord forum. Mm. Like just it, it, it does all the things I need it to do. And it's mm. right. I know right where to find it when, you know, if, if I have to like not be part of whatever is going on for a minute, I know where to find it when I'm ready to pick it back up. Yeah. You know, whether it's just because I need a minute to, you know, I have something going on in, in real life that I have to deal with, or I just need a minute to not be glued to the electronic thing anymore. Uh, I do find that those are probably, those are my favorite spaces just because like, I don't know, like, especially with Twitter, it feels like just a bunch of people with megaphones screaming at each other and not hearing anything at all. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, Instagram is great, but it's just, it's pictures. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's good for business. Yes, it is. It, it does do that though. For yeah, sure. Yeah. But um, it I, makes the I, images I, front and center, which I feel like is the thing that makes it do so well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not there as a, as a place to have discussion. Not really. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you can try to cultivate that, but it's not, that's not really what it's for. No. It's a showcase. No. Yeah. 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 I, I, I miss, I miss forums to be perfectly honest. I like the, um, the, the real time aspect of say a discord server. Um, but, and you know, like, like, um, with, uh, HK's, uh, discord, you know, all the different channels for subject matter so that's great but you know you can also have three separate conversations in that one channel happening all at the same time you know whereas it should be very difficult to follow yeah with the forum you know if you're go- if you want to talk about x topic you go into x topic and then there's all the 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 different threads so you know it's i i yeah, I, I, I like forums, even though they weren't quite so real time, you know, um, yeah. but they were they were good places to have like really good, really good discussions. But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, we have no control over that. You know, it's going to change or stay the same. Um, and who knows what might show up tomorrow? I mean, it could be worse. Like, let's be honest, like, like, it could be worse, like, like, uh, talking about, you know, Facebook going downhill, like, that's a good thing. Yeah, that, true. Like, not realizing that the, the thing that replaces it is just so much worse, mm-hmm. you know, so who knows? Yeah. I just want my chip implanted in my brain so I can, <laughs> I can telepathically talk to everybody on the planet. Not a computer. Oh. I'm okay with that. 
Give me the chip. Everyone's it like, take, it would take a lot of the guesswork out of mind reading. <laughs> yeah. All, all these people, oh, it's not a vaccine. It's Bill Gates implanting you with a chip. That's fine. That's fine. I like, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be young forever if I, if I get, well, I will get old, but also forgetful. Well, now you can track me. Now you can find me. So it's great, you know. Yeah, so, I remember when yeah, after getting yeah. my vaccine, the first couple of weeks, I kept making jokes about my phone is so much faster now that I have the 5G upgrade. Yeah. And and people are taking that seriously. Yeah, well, so the, most of the people who know me would laugh, but anybody yeah. who doesn't know me real well would be like. Yeah. And then and then there's some people that'll screenshot that that uh, comment to be like, see, this is proof. This is proof. <laughs> I was right. I was right. Uh, yeah, you saw some somebody on the internet make a dumb joke, and but you know, hey, it's on the internet. That means it's true, right? Everybody Don't knows you know that. that. Everybody you know knows that. that. Come on, come on. <laughs> if it's on the internet, it's absolutely true. Absolutely. Crazy times. Indeed. I, I think that's why um I think that, that that's part of the reason why I I'm so dedicated to my daily ritual practice, just because you know it just seems like the alternative in life right now is to not, go crazy. Yeah, not so great, you know. Um so yeah, you know, I mean, there's so many people out there in the world that would listen to this podcast, listen to us talk about, you know, magic and, and daily ritual practice. They're crazy. I'm like, I, I actually, I think you're the crazy one that's not doing this shit. You know what I mean? Um, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, ultimately, it's it, it for me, it's it gets down to like, this is what helps me get through a day. Yeah. And yeah. I think if we just, I think by and large that if we just let people alone to do what they needed to do to get through their day, in, for, in most cases, we'd be better off. Yeah. Just left everybody alone to get and do what they needed to do. Some people, some things you have to stop people from doing, but generally speaking, like me out on the, out on the, out in the backyard playing my flute is not hurting anybody at three o'clock in the afternoon. So why are, why are we calling the cops and filing a noise complaint? For example, that's never actually happened. But like, Oh, I was just going to ask, like, if that actually happened. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. At three in the afternoon, that would be... Uh, uh, no, would be my neighbors ridiculous. are not that ridiculous, thankfully. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so for everyone that's listening, you know, they now know that you're, you know, you do like divination and whatnot at, at events and, and whatnot. Where do they find you online? Uh, so there's um, the website, sixsilverseals.com. Uh, I will warn everybody in advance that it is a work in progress. Mm. Um, the website templates can only do so much, and yep. I'm not that great at it, but I am trying. Um, I am also, uh, you also find the Six Silver Seals Facebook page. Um, and then it's, um, I am on both Instagram and TikTok as well. Uh, it's Pine Island Prophet, and there are periods between the words. So Pine period, Island period, Prophet. Um, this will all be on the show notes. 
cool. Yeah, yeah. And like, and honestly, like Instagram or Facebook are going to be the places where I'm the most active because they let you cross post. And like you pointed out, same company. Yeah. So uh, those are going to be the most active places. Although I am working on, um, I am working on getting a, like um, a Discord forum set up and a monthly mailer through email so that I can relaunch my Patreon. Because uh, uh, now that I'm getting to events and getting to the point where there are folks who come to get my services more often than just a one-off thing at a psychic fair somewhere, mm-hmm. I'd like to make that accessible and smooth for them if I can to sort of you know, just set it up where it's this recurring thing. Because ultimately, um, that's that's the goal with this is um, to sort of provide it as kind of like a, almost like a spiritual counseling service a little bit. Right. Hey, I'm having trouble dealing with this thing or having trouble with this issue in life and need some guidance. That's ideally that's what I'd like to be here for people for. So those that's where I say you can find those those places. That's where I offer those services. Uh I do the runes, I do the tarot. As far as divination stuff goes, I do the runes, I do the tarot. I'm learning the OM, although I'll probably have to leave that until I finish the Ovate grade if I ever start it. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then I am also a Reiki master too. So I, that is another thing that I do. Like, like as, as has probably become pretty clear over the course of this conversation, any little thing that, that piqued my interest, I've got at least one finger in. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you do like distance Reiki healings? Um, I have before. It is a little more challenging to do just, you know, because of the distance and space. Yeah that's involved in doing it over something like this. Um, primarily, I do the work um, in in person because it's one of the services that I offer at the events that I travel to throughout lower Michigan. Um, is uh, with the use of like uh, specially, uh, specially made tuning forks that are each keyed to the frequency of the various shocker points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, one of the great functions of technology is that you can put a microphone anywhere in a room and pick the noise up. So that's nice, but yeah. the sound alone is not what does it. it yeah. you, you know, you have to put the energy and intention behind it. And again, over distance, that can be tough to do, but not impossible. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you, you're pretty well situated because anyone, no, I shouldn't say anyone because people in Ohio, Indiana, and really even Illinois, like it's not that far of a drive necessary you know like like you know with with us here in in canada most well you know our maritime provinces are small but like my province of ontario if you're from from the west border where borders with manitoba to the easternmost tip i mean that's a 24-hour drive yeah it's 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 no it's no joke yeah ontario is huge yeah uh, yeah, yeah, and it's so. So eventually, the goal, you know, of of doing the the traveling events that I do, which is the primary way that I offer my services, um, is to branch out to to you know beyond just like the the the, the one little chunk of a state where I drive like two hours one way to an event mm-hmm. to be able to do them over a wider area. Um, just because you know, like you said, it's not that hard for me in Michigan to get to. Uh, 
Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, even kind of Wisconsin a little bit, yeah. Pennsylvania on the other side. Yeah. Like those aren't terribly far. It just, it's a matter of being able to do it full time as opposed to just whenever I can fit it in around the schedule of a 40 hour work week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, small steps. Yep, you know? that's that's the idea. One foot in front of the other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's not something that happens overnight. No. Oh, gosh, no. Definitely not. Definitely not. Especially when it's something that, you know, would basically change, you know, like if you were to do that full time. Right. Like, not necessarily full time, but um, if that replaced your your full time 40 hour work week. Right you know, um, job, then no, that doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. That's scary. That's, you know, it's, it's a scary, um, uh, thing and, uh, you got to ease into it. Definitely. I also do think it's one of those things though, where you got to be careful to be like, 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 yeah, you have to have like a healthy amount of fear towards it. Oh, of course. I, I know that I, I know that at the points where it's terrified me the worst to think about what if this does really well and it takes off right after that, I usually have like two and three bad events in a row where I don't make very much money. It's like, well, now it doesn't matter because I couldn't fucking quit my regular day job anyway because <laughs> uh, I'm only making like 40 bucks every time I do this and that's just filling the gas tank or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 you know, you, you talk about um, – magic is intention made manifest or whichever, whatever verbiage you want to catch it out in. And then you, you, you go and have a negative thought and watch it ruin your whole week. And you're like, damn it. Why did I do that to myself? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think we've all been there. We've all been there. That's for sure. Definitely. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to talk about? I think I'm good. Okay. Perfect. Well, I'm glad um, that you came on the podcast. I really appreciated it. I loved talking about uh, your experiences with the Bardicrade. Um, I love hearing about people's experiences with the Bardicrade. Uh, I find it fascinating just because I have something to, you know, compare to like, like with my own experiences. Right. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was it's great fun to compare notes. Definitely. Yeah. It, it was uh, great that you were willing to uh, come on. I didn't want to talk about my experience too much because I, with it because I've, and you know, maybe I should have, because I, you know, I've spoken about it bits and pieces in, in other podcasts as, you know, things come up and whatnot. And I'm kind of relating to someone's experience. Um, so, you know, maybe we could have had more of a, of a conversation, like a, like a shared experiences, but whatever, you know, this episode's all about you. You're the star. I'm just, I'm just a voice. I'm just just a voice directing the conversation. No one's interested in me. (laughs) Okay, well, I think that were true. You wouldn't have any listeners. Yeah, that's true. I'm a star. I'm a star. (laughs) But it's just just because I'm so amazing. That's that's really what it is. It's just it's my incredible beauty and wit and personality, and I'm the whole package. So that's twenty and charisma. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just my cross to bear, really. I just feel sorry for my listeners having to put up with my voice. I don't, I, um, 
one thing I did with the one thing that I was like dead firm on was I'm not doing any editing on like I'm I'm hitting record. We start the conversation. When the conversation ends, I hit stop and I download it. No editing, no like, oh, I didn't like that bit. I'm just gonna take that out because then I'd have to listen to my voice over and, and over. over and, and I'm over. like, nope. Nope. It is it is the hard thing about uh, being both the producer and the editor of everything that you make. Yeah, it's the reason I stopped doing YouTube videos after a while. I just couldn't get over the work of making myself look good on this camera and then sound. No, I and that's that's no because like if you're if you're doing a lot even of after years work, on the radio, yeah, um, then you have to spend all this time like listening to your own voice and. Um, no, I'm not. No, I refuse. I refuse. Absolutely. I, um, I went on my website to the, the Lux files, um, page. And then I was, I think I was watching, oh, a, a song. Uh, uh, I went on YouTube because there was a song that I wanted to listen to the full lyrics of. And, um, because I, I heard a clip. I'm like, oh, that might be good for a drag show. So the song's playing at, at the start. And I can hear like talking in the background, you know, like I just thought it was just like a, like a, an, an effect, whatever. Um, and then the song proper starts and I can still hear it a little bit. I'm like, how strange. So the song ends and I uh, close the, the tab that I had, YouTube and it was my voice because I, I went on to my um, my um, uh, files page and a video start it was either a video or one of the audio files started playing and uh, so when I exited YouTube and then I, I was confronted with my voice I'm like uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like son of a bitch I heard myself this sucks so yeah, no, no editing, no editing. If you say something that you shouldn't have on my podcast, oh well, oh well, I'm not editing it because then I'd have to listen to my voice. So, anyways, thank you, thank you. You're enough, very welcome. Enough, about, enough about me and my my voice. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much um, for coming on. And um, well, you know, if you, if you do end up. Uh, going into uh ovate then uh we'll have uh another podcast episode to talk so, about that sounds like a plan well, that'd be pretty good and uh if you become the big reiki rune star and you get to quit your job we can we talk can about that, about that. <laughs> absolutely so anyways Someday. Yeah, so thank you uh, so much for coming on. And as always, thank you uh, to my listeners and to the viewers on YouTube for uh, uh, listening and or watching this, uh, this episode. Um, yeah, so uh, everyone, um, everyone have a good day and uh, enjoy the next episode.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Lux Files. You'll find all the guest links in the show notes, as well as the link www.laylokanzawin.com slash links. That link will get you to my page of links, where you can then go to my Laylokanzawin website, the Lux Files page, and my Laylokanzawin YouTube channel that has all the Lux Files videos. It also has all my social media links there, so you can follow me and the Lux Files. And don't forget to subscribe to the Lux Files wherever you get your podcasts. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving me a review. Until next time.